Brennan, I've got something that I am very excited about today here on the Trial Run Podcast. We're back. We are recording a day early right now. Day early today. It's a Thursday. Tomorrow, it's a Friday. Do you know what day it is? What day is it? It is March. It's almost tournament time. What a time to be alive. That's my favorite theme song. You already know what it is. That is excellent. That gets me hyped. That is too good. That is what March is all about. The madness is here, and I'm ready for it. Almost here. We got conference tournaments coming up. We got NCAA tournament coming up. And we're both college students. We're about to go on break. We're tired. We're dragging towards the halfway point of the semester. We're ready to get out of here. Central Michigan University students. Um, break starts today for both of us. Our classes get done. I'm out. We get out of here. I'm piecing out. You're piecing out the moment we get done with this. Yep. So you're out of here. I'm out after one more class today at 2 p.m. This podcast is really the last thing we're doing before we leave. But it brings me great joy. Great joy that when we come back from break, and even a little over break, there will be a few games over break, there will be conference tournament basketball, meaningful basketball finally. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Forget Christmas. This is the most wonderful time of the year. You couldn't say it any clearer than that. Honestly, I'm not kidding when I say college football is my favorite sport. I'll just say that hands down. Oh, no question. But March Madness, there is nothing in sports better than March Madness. It is the best time of the year. You put all your homework aside. You put all your schoolwork aside. If, If you have any homework during that time, you get it done right away. Everything takes a backseat. Everything takes a backseat. For those two or three weeks when there's games on during the day, that is all that is on my mind 100% of the time, and I cannot wait. And those round of 64 games and round of 32 games, even the first four games, I mean, those absolutely are my favorite time of year because you get to see these mid-majors and these small schools get matching up with the powerhouses, the Dukes, Kentucky's, Kansases of the world, Michigan State's. It's unbelievable. So my favorite point of the year is when you get that first upset because you know everything is about to go down, and I just I love it so much. I can't wait for it. I don't want to wish away spring break, but by the end of spring break, I'll be ready for some college hoops. What's so alluring to me about the tournament is, as UMBC showed last year, there's not a single team in the tournament who's safe. No, none. Any not, not team one. can lose on any day, and I love that. It is so much fun to watch. And the tournament just seems to bring out the best basketball out of all these teams. There's so many good games, last-second shots, the whole nine yards. It's awesome. And even as we get towards the end of the regular season right now and into the conference tournament play, I mean, we wouldn't be doing our job as homers, as homers here at CMU, if we didn't give our Central Michigan Chippewas a little love. The men's basketball team, like a lot of other mid-majors and a lot of people trying to secure their place in the tournament right now, they are giving their best effort towards a tourney push, which I absolutely love to see. They got a big win, a couple big wins last week in conference, most notably against Eastern Michigan University one of our rivals, and they were absolutely killing us in the first half. It was a big comeback win. You love to see that. You love to see Central making a push towards a tournament, which would be their first tournament appearance since 2003. Honestly, what impresses me most about that win for Central is that that team proved they can win without one of their star players in Sean Roundtree. Yeah, I mean, probably their second best player, arguably. Arguably, yeah. Right behind Larry Austin. I think, as you noted, they looked really bad in the first half. Eastern Michigan was completely out-rebounding them. I think they dunked on... They were slapping around. <laughs> they, they dunked physically. on Larry Austin about 20 times. It was just really ugly in the first half. And then, like you said, they turned it around. They looked awesome in the second half. And it wasn't just one guy doing it. It was the whole collective group working together, 
to get that dub, and it was absolutely crucial for the seeding uh, for the MAC tournament. And what I love to see about this, just this time of year with the tourney pushes and everything's getting high intensity, everything, all the, all the pressure is getting ratcheted up. So you have teams like Big Ten teams such as Iowa. I don't know if you've seen the story, Brennan. <laughs> Iowa's head coach, Fran McCaffrey, like I said, I mean, the dial gets turned up to 10 this time of year when you're trying to get a tournament run, get your seeding figured out. You're trying to basically put yourself in the best situation that allows you a chance to win. Fran McCaffrey, the other day, he's getting fined by the NCAA, fined by the Big Ten for basically dropping a couple, a couple F-bombs, a couple, you know, a little, bit of, a little bit of hate towards the officials, spewing some venom at them. I want to know exactly what your thoughts are on that because I know you're a Big Ten guy. Yep. I know you're an Iowa guy for, I mean, by some stretch of the imagination, as opposed to like Michigan State and Ohio State in the Big Ten. What are your thoughts on this and what are your thoughts on Fran McCaffrey? Was he warranted to start with? And then were the fines warranted? Absolutely. The fines were warranted, and Fran McCaffrey needs to, to show some self-control. This is absurd. What really baffles me is that Iowa lost by 20 in that game, so I'm kind of baffled as to what he was so upset about. Usually when you see reactions like that, it's because of late-game decisions, you know, like game-changing decisions that the ref just blows it or it's a close call, something of that nature. But he just loses it at the ref after this 20-point loss. So that is, yeah, that's absurd to me. And then additionally, like you mentioned at the beginning, Iowa is is a tourney team right now, but they're looking to improve their resume. They're yeah, looking to improve sure. their seating. And what you what you didn't mention is that Fran McCaffrey, not only is he getting fined, he's getting a two-game suspension for this. Which is huge at this time of year. It's huge. What a stupid way to get a two-game suspension. That is crucial for Iowa right now. They're still working on their seating. They need Fran McCaffrey at the helm. And to lose him over something as stupid as this when you're down by 20 in the game, that's absolutely ridiculous to me. I mean, he called the ref a cheater. He called him a phony or whatever it was. That, obviously, the fine from the NCAA and from the Big Ten, they don't want to let a guy like Fran McCaffrey, who coaches a high-profile program such as Iowa, basically undermine the whole institution and undermine the integrity of the NCAA officials. So I completely get where the NCAA is coming from. And you're so right about Fran McCaffrey. When you're talking about the end of the year where you're trying to improve your seating, if you're just going to go on a tirade and just blast the official, get fined, get a two-game suspension, when at the end of the year you're probably going to be vying for a Big Ten title, it's just unbelievably selfish to me in regards to him. And then I think if a player did that, could you imagine if a player did oh, this? It'd be, it, yeah, it'd be over with. Like there'd be no, there'd be no remorse at all. He'd and be suspended probably indefinitely. He would get crushed by the media, crushed by the NCAA, probably crushed by the institution of Iowa. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable to think that Fran McCaffrey would be this selfish at this at the end of the year. And what's baffling is Fran McCaffrey, for the most part throughout his career at Iowa has been a pretty calm guy. In game, he's, you know, he gets heated, he gets that red face that he gets, and he gets like upset with his with what's going on in the situation, but he never loses his cool to the extent that he blames an official or calls them a cheater, something of that nature. So this is completely coming out of left field. And yeah, I'm I'm just absolutely shocked by the whole situation. I know somebody else that had a few things to say about the official after we we lost a crucial game in our intramural season. That is this year. much different. All right sidebar here for the most part i am refs at central you guys do a great job intramural refs in general i'm sure right i love how you guys operate even when we lose i have gone up to the refs personally and said thank you you guys did a great job however i will not let this slide that last game that we had 
Worst refing I've ever seen in my life. You guys are getting paid for this job, so how about you have some respect in your job? I am absolutely ashamed of this university because of that refing right there. For those of you that don't know, our intramural season came to a came to an early conclusion after we lost a game that we certainly should have won. I mean, outside of the fact that we were down 20 after the first half, we came all the way back. Blew the game at the end. I know. Oh, we didn't blow the game. I, I, I tell you what, those I know, zebras. Those zebras blew the game. I know none of you care about our IM season, but we definitely did. We were all in on that IM season. Some big games this weekend, also in college basketball. We got some huge games that we haven't done our pick'em segment in a few weeks, yeah. so I really want to do that right now. Starting with the best game in the Big Ten this weekend, perhaps number six Michigan State versus Indiana Saturday, 11 a.m. on Fox. Who do you have? So, as it's been well noted throughout this basketball season, Indiana had a great start, and then they just absolutely came crashing down. They've only won two Big Ten, ta- Big Ten games, I believe, in the last 15. One of those games was against Michigan State, however. And Indiana is coming off a win against Wisconsin earlier this week, but I just don't see MSU losing this time around. I think they're going to learn from their mistakes in that previous game, and Michigan State will come out on top in this one. I think it's hard to believe that Indiana has been this big of a letdown. I mean, when you talk about letdowns across the country, this has got to be right up there at the top with teams that you expected to be very good at the beginning of the season, expected to potentially be able to vie for a Big Ten title and maybe even make a run in the tournament. And now they're fighting for their tournament lives, probably on the outside looking in. Oh, definitely on the outside. Definitely on the outside looking in. So I'm saying that right now, coming off that big win, Michigan State is riding high. They're not going to falter against Indiana. I know Indiana is a good team with a lot of potential. They have not proved that at all this year. I've got Michigan State. Second game, we got an ACC matchup, number 18 Florida State versus North Carolina State, Saturday, 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Who do you have in that one? So I got FSU in this one. Um, This is going to be a good game between two tournament teams. Both of these teams are solidly in the tournament, but they have some work to do with regards to seeding, and they just need some marquee wins. Uh, I look for this to be a very competitive game. But ultimately, like I said, Florida State coming out on top. The ACC is so competitive top to bottom that's hard to pick these games, especially as they come down towards the end of the year. I'm going to take Florida State. I haven't been able to watch either of these teams very much throughout the season, but I'm going to take Florida State based on the fact that I've seen them a little bit more, and they just seem like they have a bit more experience with this situation than NC State does. Third game, we got Butler versus Villanova, Saturday, 2 p.m. on Fox. Two teams that Villanova, you know, a team that at the beginning of the year got slapped around by Michigan, who turned out to be a very good team. But they have been a bit of a letdown also. Butler, pretty much a perennial mid-major tournament team. So who do you have in that one? So I actually think that Villanova right now is the better team. Uh, But Butler is fighting for their tournament lives right now. Butler in Joe Lenardi's uh, bracket is in the first, first four out right now. So they need a huge win. They need something to push them over the top to get into the tournament. I think a game like uh, this Villanova game will be huge for them. So if they want to get into the tournament, I think they're going to have to win this game. So for that reason, I'm going to put Butler in this one as the victor. I'm going to take Villanova. I know they haven't been as good this year as we maybe have expected or grown to appreciate over the past years. But I'm certainly going to take Villanova. Butler seems like kind of a letdown team this year also. Villanova, like I said earlier, has been a bit of a letdown, but I think just talent-wise, they're going to be better top to bottom. I trust Jay Wright as a head coach. I'll take Villanova. The final game, we got the rematch. The rematch, Brennan. Number four, Kentucky versus number seven, Tennessee. Saturday, 1 p.m. on CBS. We're going to hear that that excellent song that we love to hear around tournament time on CBS. Who do you have in that one? 
I think this is the best matchup of the weekend. I absolutely love this matchup, but I have Kentucky once again. I think Tennessee is an yeah. Over- you don't like Tennessee much. I think much. they are an overrated basketball team. I am not impressed with them. I know I already made a prediction about Duke earlier this year, but the Duke one, I just said I wouldn't be surprised if they lost in the first weekend. I still think they're going to make it out of the first weekend. With Tennessee, I do think they aren't going to make it out of the first weekend. I think they're a, maybe they'll win one game, maybe. And then I think they're going to lose before the Sweet 16 even happens. So I definitely don't have Tennessee in the tournament, and I don't have Tennessee in this game. Or, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I understand what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, you you yeah. say you don't have Tennessee coming out of the first weekend, which I totally understand. The way they've been playing recently, they've been playing some tough games with some some good teams, some not-so-good teams. So they've been playing down to the level of their competition. I would say that I'm going to take Kentucky in this game. After watching how they beat up on Tennessee the first time they played, we watched that whole game. It almost looked like it wasn't even a fair matchup no. at that point. It looked like John Calipari's team was walking out there smacking around what Tennessee, I mean, they pride themselves on being a physical, beat-you-up team down low. They don't shoot many threes. They like to go to the rack. They like to shoot that mid-range jumper. I like Kentucky in this game just purely based on what I saw the last time, so I'm going to take them. And we talked a little bit earlier about teams making tourney pushes in the NCAA. If you look into the NBA, National Basketball Association, there's less than 30 games to go. There are a lot of teams right now that are fighting for their playoff lives as well. I'm a Pistons fan. You're a Pistons fan. You know what they're doing right now. Blake Griffin called it out during All-Star Weekend. He said they're making a playoff push. They're currently two games under 500, I believe, after they lost to San Antonio last night. Do you think the Pistons have what it takes to make that playoff push, and what do you make of they played? They played well in recent in the recent stretch. So I want to know what your interpretation of that is, and if you think they have a chance to get into the playoffs or make a run in the playoffs. Well, yeah, it depends on what you mean by a playoff push. If you mean, do I think they have the ability to make the playoffs? Yes, because as we talked about earlier this year, while the East is pretty good, top to bottom, the the bottom fringe of it, the seven, eight seed, even the six, really. Not that great. You can be under 500 and probably still make the playoffs in the East. So I definitely think the Pistons can make the playoffs. As for a playoff run in the playoffs themselves, that would be extremely difficult for the Pistons. But I'm kind of baffled by this whole Blake Blake Griffin situation. He basically just said, like, all right, guys, it's time to win. Let's go out and do that. Like, what were you doing the whole first half of the season? They had that long stretch where they were playing awful basketball. <laughs> so I'm like, where was that when we needed that in that stretch? We needed something to stop the bleeding, and it just didn't come. So I, it's obvious to me that they want to make the playoff push now because it's the last 30 games of the season. They can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But, my God, where was that earlier in the year when they were absolutely awful? Yeah, and, and you wonder if because they're making this big run right now, they're going to burn themselves out by the time they actually get to the playoffs. If they're really, I think their only chance to succeed in the playoffs would be for them to steal the sixth seed from the Brooklyn Nets. That would match them up probably against the Pacers, which I really think that's the only team they'd have a chance in in I a seven-game yeah. series. I don't think I could see them beating any other team. They're not going to beat Toronto. They're not going to beat Milwaukee. So if the Pistons do get that Pacers matchup, I still think they won't win that series, but that's their best bet. I think best-case scenario, they get out of the first round. And we've talked about this. The Pistons are just not a team that's ready to compete in the NBA or in the East even. No. You have teams with perennial superstars like Giannis Antetokounmpo with the Bucks, Kawhi Leonard with the Raptors. The Pacers are the only team really at the top without a certified superstar, and they have Victor Oladipo on injured reserve. So, like, I mean... In the 76ers, top to bottom, loaded. Celtics, they've struggled, but they are pretty loaded all the way through. 
I just think it'll be very difficult for the Pistons to get that first round win if it's against anybody else besides Indiana. So the fact that that is the only team I think they have a chance to beat in the seven-game series, and it's still probably not going to happen, I just I don't know what the Pistons are doing and what their identity is right now. I just I'm I'm shocked. This is a this is a Detroit a Detroit fans pipe dream right here. It's Pistons aren't going to do anything in the playoffs. Like they'll be lucky to make it at this point and. Yeah, nothing is going to come out of this. I can promise you that. At least this year, hopefully they can build on this experience, get some playoff experience for some of their younger guys, but nothing's going to happen in terms of this year. Going back to the Western Conference, or going over to the Western Conference, rather, I know you've been paying attention to LeBron. I know you've been paying attention to the Lakers. When LeBron said he was going into playoff mode, I thought a lot like you did with Blake Griffin. What do you mean playoff mode? I know you have a different level that you can turn it up to, but LeBron, dude, like you're trying to push for the playoffs. You guys have been horrible, horrible in the last month of the season. What is happening with Los Angeles and what is happening with the Lakers? Because this has been an absurd run where they're just playing. They're not playing good basketball. They won last night, but just overall in the last couple weeks, they've been playing terrible basketball and they're on the outside looking in. And I'm not sure they're going to get in in the very tough Western Conference. LeBron says he's going sicko mode, so let's see what happens there. <laughs> this is actually absurd to me. I hate this. I hate that he has the audacity to say, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's make a playoff. Like, I wasn't trying this whole time, and now I'm going to turn it up for the playoff mode. And then if you watch the Memphis game, their last game, actually their second-to-last game, he's standing there on defense right underneath the rim while players are putting up shots, his teammates around him are playing defense, and he's literally just, like, pacing the floor not doing anything. It's absolutely pitiful. And really just the Lakers organization as a whole right now is just absolutely train trash. Wreck. It's train wreck. From top to bottom, from their administration to their players, everything, I would argue that they're worse than they were even last year, and they didn't have the superstar in LeBron. I think they finished like 35 and 47, something around that mark. And they're on track to do that same thing this year unless they turn around the ship and, and LeBron actually does go playoff mode, whatever that means. Honestly, if I'm a player, I get that the season is long. It's a very long season. You only have your all-star break. But I don't see it as a player how you cannot approach every single game in this playoff mode, so to speak. Every game that you're fighting for your life. Every game that you're looking to increase your chances to get to the playoffs. So this statement by LeBron to me is kind of absurd. I kind of dislike that. That's one of the reasons that I hate LeBron as a player. There have been reports coming out that LeBron has been essentially blaming his teammates more or less for for their insufficiencies as a as a ball club. LeBron, I hate to tell you. What and was I, he expecting? And I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say this loud and clear. LeBron, get over yourself. Seriously. Please. I'm begging you because I understand you're probably a top five player of all time. If you are what you say you are, you're not gonna blame anybody else. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. You're not going to blame anybody else for your insufficiencies as a ball club just because you're not succeeding at the level you're supposed to. I understand what you did with Cleveland. You carried that roster. You slayed the dragon in Golden State. You did what you had to do. Right now, in the here and now, LeBron, you're in your mid-30s. You're coming to the end of your career. Stop trying to be something that you're not anymore. You're getting old. You're a ball club, a team. That's The chances are you're not even going to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. You need to understand that, kind of grasp the concept that the players around you are not as good as you think they are, okay? You're asking a lot of them. You're asking a lot of the players to almost carry you at this point because you said you're going to go playoff mode now, whatever that means, like Brennan said. I'm just sick of the whole situation because I'm sick of hearing about 
LeBron going to carry this franchise, this Lakers franchise, the to the promised land? The Western Conference is not the Eastern Conference, LeBron. You're not gonna you're not gonna trounce through it like you did with Cleveland. I'm just I'm tired of it. LeBron coming to the Lakers, it was kind of as if LeBron was like, okay, I'm gonna add to my legacy now. I've won in Cleveland. I won with Miami. Now I'm gonna take over this team that's not good, that's young, and I'm gonna mentor these guys, and I'm gonna be the hero that brings Lakers back to their glory. But he thought that he would get some pieces to come along with him. He thought, you know, he might get Kawhi in the offseason. He might get some other superstars to build around him. And they still have this coming summer to do so. Right, but he thought that was going to happen right away. At least that's my impression. And now he's stuck here with this team full of young guys. He is not used to losing at this type of level. And it kind of seems instead of being the, the leader that he should be in this position, that mentor that he wants to be, that he wants his legacy to all be about his his ego here. Instead, he's just kind of pushing that on other people, saying this is their fault. I'm doing what it takes. I'm going to go into playoff mode. And if everyone else around me isn't, then that's not my problem. So this is kind of – this. I'm telling you, this is why I do not like LeBron James. I do not like him. I think he is way too big for his ego. I, do, I respect that he's an awesome player, one of the best to ever do it. But this is You're the, over it. this is the LeBron that I just cannot stand. Do you think he underestimated the Western Conference? Uh, Do you think his ego was big enough where he walked into the Western yes. Conference and thought he was going to smack it around like he did the East? Yes. I, at the very least, I thought that he could right away turn the Lakers into a championship contender. If not this year, then very soon. And that could still happen, I guess, if, if the Lakers do make a splash in free agency this offseason. But I do not think that LeBron thought he'd be in the situation he is right now with the Lakers. I mean, just the teams and the players in the Western Conference, the Warriors, very well documented, you know that. The Nuggets, the number two seed in the West right now, they have players like Nikola Jokic, Thunder, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. The Rockets have Chris Paul, James Harden. They have stars from top to bottom. And even a team like the Spurs, who have no certified star outside of DeMar DeRozan right now, there's these teams are so well put together that it's going to be hard for you to sneak into the playoffs and hard for you to win on a nightly basis. So I think that LeBron greatly underestimated the power of the Western Conference, and he's certainly paying for it now. Yeah, I agree. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with you. No basketball talk on that other end of the break because we already got that out of the way. We are going to have a list of our top favorite sports theme songs, which I'm very excited for. A little bit of football talk. We're getting we're getting out of football season right now, Brennan. Yeah. That is not good. I like my football. I know. I know you do. I like it. We still so, got some AAF. It, it's a real bummer that we're getting out of football season. But March Madness. So but March cares? Madness is coming. This is the Trial Run Podcast. We'll see you in a minute. We are back. Segment two. This is the Trial Run Podcast. We let off this show today, Brennan, with a little nostalgia for our audience. Yep. We played the CBS March Madness theme song. We've talked about this before. That song gives us both chills every single time we hear it. That song represents what I believe to be the best event in all of sports, really. It's really euphoric when you hear it. This got me to thinking. I know we've had this conversation outside of here before. This got me thinking about the other songs, the other songs in sports that have that similar effect. So, I've made for you, for your listening pleasure, 
my comprehensive, a be all end all top ten list of sports theme songs. Are you ready? I will. I'll be sure to to comment on these. Let's see what you pull out of your hat because I, I really don't know what to expect here, guys. So we'll see what he comes up with. I'll, I, you guys can be the judge at home, and I will most certainly judge his list. I'm sure. So number ten, we'll start at the bottom. Okay. MLB on Fox. All right. That's a Sunday afternoon. I'm sitting there. My dad's making brats yep, on the grill. grill yep. I can I can hear the MLB on Fox. I'm watching the Tigers game. That's just nostalgia for me. So number ten, MLB on Fox. That's respectable. Number nine, NFL on CBS. Mm-hmm. So we've got Jim Nance, Tony Romo. Now it used to be Phil Simms. So whenever I hear that NFL on CBS theme song, that instantly makes me think Football Sunday. Not my favorite football theme song, but it's right up there. So that's number nine. Number eight, college football on CBS. So it used to be Vern Lundquist. Now I believe it's Brad Nessler, two of my favorite guys to ever call football games. That's a little low for me. I like that song. I, I love that song, but that's got to be down there. You'll see why as I get up towards the top. I guess. I'll, I'll try to make sense of it, what my reasoning is. Number seven, NBA Countdown. I love the, I love the NBA yeah, Countdown. Yeah, okay. That I, to you I know is not going to – I'm finding fault with this list now. I, I'm, I would not put that in my top ten. I love my NBA Countdown. I remember, I remember watching the NBA Finals, hearing that song. That just takes me back every single time. So number seven, NBA Countdown. Number six – the Masters. No complaints. Number six, no The Masters. Complaints. I love the Masters theme song. You hit that thing on a piano, that song slaps. I'm telling you what. <laughs> that is instantly, that makes you think spring, that makes you think April, that makes me think golf, which I absolutely love. So number six, a The tradi- Masters. A tradition like any a, other. <laughs> a tradition unlike any other, The Masters. Number five, the old college football on ESPN theme song. That song is on both of the NCAA football games that I own for my PlayStation 3 that I play all the time when I go home. That song gets me right in my feels every time because that is an absolute banger of a song, one of my favorite of all time. I think the listeners at home will agree with me that that is far too high up on the list. That's sitting at number one or two. For you, instantly. There's no chance that that's all the way down at five. Like that That is classic. That is childhood. That is sports in general. Other than the the theme song we played earlier today, yes. I love that. I revere that. Still, song. still yet to be set on the list, by That's the way. That's correct. But this song is right up with that song in terms of just amazingness. Number four. I know this is probably where you will disagree in a major way. Number four, NHL on NBC. Yeah. You're not a big hockey guy. I'm not either. But I distinctly have a love for Doc Emmerich, the guy who calls the hockey calls the big hockey games on NHL. That theme song is one of my favorite of all time. I know my brother will appreciate that. I absolutely love that song. No, it's a good song. I remember it. I, my dad and I will watch hockey sometimes, and it's a it's a classic, but I would not – I'd definitely not put it at number four. That's a little high for me. Number three, Fox NFL Sunday. I mean, that has to be up there. It has to be yeah, in the top three. No complaints. Fox NFL Sunday, that's a song that – you hear, you know it's football season when you hear that. You know the Lions are losing. You know you the Lions are about to play a 1 p.m. game with the with the Fox Sports B or C team calling the game. So the, it's just something that instantly makes me think Lions, makes me think football and just football season in general. The robot spiking the football. Oh, man. It's you, great. Oh, man. Don't it's even great. get me started. Number two. I don't know if you have complaints about this one. Sunday Night Football, man. That's great. Sunday Night Football. Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels. You hear them on the call. You know it's real. See, I love me some Sunday Night Football. I believe... The, they used to sing the theme song. Now it's Carrie Underwood, I believe. I don't remember who it used to be, but it's Carrie Underwood now. That, all right, Sunday night. You love to hear that, too. That's part of it. I love that theme song. See, I'm putting this one right 
behind the college, the old college football playoff song. So I, I agree, it's great, but it ain't it ain't number two. I'll, I'll say that much. Okay, number one, Brennan. I bet you can guess who this is. Number one, it's so easy. NCAA March Madness. We talked about this already on we CBS. Played <laughs> we played it. We played it at the beginning of the show. You should have already known that this was going to be at the top of the list. This is by far the greatest theme song. I don't even think it's close. I, yeah, I could not agree more. I love that song. That is March. That is sports. That is basketball, as we've alluded to so many times on this podcast. It gives me chills listening to it every time. We've been playing it on repeat. Nonstop for the last month. For the last month, and I cannot wait. It's I, I'm getting excited just thinking about it right now. I cannot wait for March Madness. There it is. Comprehensive top ten right there. It's decent at best. Nope. That, that was a good list, but there no was... No arguments. I have a couple honorable mentions on here oh, that I okay. thought I'd throw on there. Okay. NBA on TNT. Yep, that's a good one. Very good honorable mention. The old college basketball on ESPN. I don't know if you remember that I one. I don't recall that. That is an excellent theme song that one I don't think many people appreciate enough. I'll have that on there for sure. Another honorable mention, Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football has not been relevant in my time. Yeah. So I just don't associate it with good football games. So that's probably the reason why it's not in my top ten. I know a lot of people might argue that that should be in the top ten. Yeah. But that's right up there. Those are a couple honorable mentions. Other than that, I mean, I thought I did a decent job. It was decent. Yeah, I, I, I'd give you probably a, a B. I'll take it. B plus. More than happy with a B. Our final final topic of conversation for the day, we have a couple NFL things, a couple CFL things, and AAF, just football in general. Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M alum, Heisman Trophy winner, as all of you know, did not pan out with the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, chose to go to the Canadian Football League, play there, Apparently, there's a story out right now, Brennan, that he has been barred from the league. <laughs> how does that even happen? Like, how does one go about getting banned from a, a football league, especially when you're in the CFL? I am very curious as to what he did. To yeah, get, what happened? What, the, that, what the, is happening? The CFL is not commenting on what he did. They said, I think it's something to do with some rules infraction. On Contract the, infringement or something right, like that. Right, something yeah. that he was on the team. But, like, to be barred from the entire, not just one team, from the entire CFL... I'm very curious to see what happened there. I really hope we figure out someday. Hopefully it's good enough to make a 30 for 30 on. Who knows? I mean, this tacks onto the Johnny Football legend, right? It does. It really does. Back to Texas A&M, throwing absolute ragers of parties back at college, <laughs> getting all the girls, going to going to the CFL, the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he's a he's a guy that likes to have fun, likes to kind of march to the beat of his own drum, do his own thing. What really bothers me about this, though, is that, is he really that different from a guy like Rob Gronkowski who gets all sorts of media love? <laughs> He's really not, actually, this, if you th- think about it. This is the type of thing that I feel like it's selective representation. And sure, Johnny Manziel has made a few more bad choices than a guy like Rob Gronkowski. But I feel like it's selective media representation. They are never going to represent this guy in a fair light or in a positive light. So I just think that I'm not, try- I'm not a Johnny football defender. I'm not a guy that's going to sit here and say, oh, Johnny Manziel has made no mistakes and he deserves a spot in the NFL and all this and that. I just want to bring up the question because Gronk is a beloved figure. Johnny Manziel is, for the most part, a hated figure. And I just want to know that there is a comparison there. They are very similar. I'll tell you the difference between the two. Gronkowski is one of the best to ever do it at the tight end You're position. Right. And, and success success trumps all. Yep. Johnny Manziel is expendable. As we mentioned with Kareem Hunt earlier this year, if he succeeds in Cleveland, no one's going to remember the stuff that, that he did. If he doesn't pan out, that will be his defining legacy. I see the same thing with Gronkowski and Manziel. I, I think Manziel has made a couple more 
questionable decisions than Gronkowski. Gronkowski kind of gets away with it. Maybe that has to do with his legacy, but yeah, no. The fact that he is one of the best tight ends of all time and Johnny Manziel is a decent quarterback at best, I think that plays a big factor into the media represent, representation. Do you think if Johnny Football had walked into Cleveland, picked up that operation, and made them a playoff team, that he would be portrayed in the same way that he is? Nope. Because there is no way that Cleveland would hate on that guy for all the, the decisions he made if he had led them to a playoff berth, got them out of the, the funk that they were in. I mean, look, no at, chance. look at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield had his fair share of baggage coming out of college, and now Cleveland and the, N- the NFL overall. You saw that NFL 100 commercial over Super Bowl with him and Tom Brady. He's an absolutely beloved figure now. So You have to remember, Baker Mayfield planted the, f- the Oklahoma flag on Ohio State's field. Yeah, that is in Brown's, Ohio. That's Brown's territory. That's Brown's country right they there. They hated him, and now they love him because of what he's doing in Cleveland. Yeah, everything gets a pass when you win. That's how it that's works. That's true. You think Johnny Football is going to the AAF? You know what? I, I really, for some reason, I know we just talked about how he's a, a questionable guy, but for some reason I really want Johnny Menzel to have success. I love I love the way he plays. It's just kind of fun to watch. Some people hate it. Some people love it. I love it. So I really hope he does go to the AAF or the XFL, something like that, something where he can jumpstart his football career. Even if he doesn't make it to the NFL, I just want to be able to see Johnny Manziel play football again, see it for myself on live TV. So I am absolutely rooting for him to to make it to the AAF. He did send out a tweet that he's exploring new options in the United States. Looking, He's looking to play football still. I also saw this one reporter, but the, whether or not he's a real reporter is in question because he tweets out that Johnny Manziel has, is already working on a deal with the AAF. Um, Wouldn't but, surprise me. Right, but then uh, Johnny Manziel himself subtweeted it and said, this is bogus, this is not happening. But that doesn't rule out that he's not playing in the AAF. He's just not signing a deal he's right just now. Not, yeah, it's just not in the works at this moment. Maybe it will be in the future. No, it's understandable. And he's kind of the guy that they're looking for. I mean, he's a college, right. college star in the U.S., He's going he's gonna to be a guy that gets their league some publicity. So They'll I'd, sell tickets with Johnny Manziel. Oh, they'll sell tickets for sure. People want to watch him, and people are interested in what he has to do. I couldn't agree more. The last football story that we have, I know you saw this. The NFL has been kind of using it for some PR. The first non-kicker skill position female player to ever commit to a college team and get a scholarship. We saw this. This was major news yesterday. She's going to an NAIA school. Central Methodist. Yeah, Central Methodist, the the lesser CMU, Central Methodist (laughs) University. It's, I mean, what do you make of this? This is kind of, it's a story that's not going to be much in a week, I feel like. It's just something that, what really raised eyebrows is that she has in her Instagram bio, future first female NFL player. Okay. That's something that kind of got people all spun up, so I just wanted to see what your take on this is because I, I know my take. but I feel like there's no way to really approach this conversation without offending someone in some way. I, I think it's awesome that she's playing football. I really think that's cool. And for the love of me, I hope it works out for her. I hope she does succeed. I let's, think, let's hope she doesn't just get slaughtered out right, there because she's going to be facing some collegiate athletes. Yeah, I think it would be cool to see her be great. Um, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. My first reaction on this is that, like you said, this is not going to end well. We, we looked at her highlights, and there's really nothing there. She has three tackles from the 2018 season, and, like, two of them were her falling on a guy that was already going yeah, down. Yeah, like third guy in tackles where and, she just dives on the pile. Right, yeah. and then, like, a bunch of her highlight highlights were just from practice, which yeah. is, like, take that as you will. 
I think maybe there's some there are some women who would be physically capable of handling the college level, but I think that's extremely extremely rare, and I I, I, I just want to pump the brakes on the whole thing right. because the NFL. Let's slow our roll here. The NFL did what they had to do. They're a business. They use this as easy PR. Right. Easy PR because she said that she wanted to play in the NFL and she hopes to play for the Seahawks one day. Yeah. And the NFL posted a picture on Instagram of her right next to Shaquem and Shaquille Griffin and said, with with the caption, the next Legion of Boom. That's absurd. Which is just absurd. I mean, it's, you know, it, it is what it is, but it's just something that it was easy PR for the NFL. They posted it a couple times on Instagram. It made a story on Twitter for the day. I think that if she lasts there, then cool, good for her, more power to you. But in all reality, this is an NAIA school. She's probably not going to get much playing time. This is going to be a non-story in a week. It's, it's going to be something that everybody forgets about. Like you said, like I'm genuinely concerned for her safety. For her safety. I hope I, yes. that if, if she's physically ready to go out there and take the hits and give the hits, then great. But there are some some full grown beastly men out there who will get trucked by a you know a, a six foot three two hundred and eighty pound running back, and you're gonna tell me that this girl is gonna come in here and just get thrown around and be able to get back up and keep going. It's hard to believe. Maybe maybe she will, and if she does, that is awesome. I'm here for it. I'm just genuinely concerned about her well being because whether we like it or not. It's it's different when there's a girl playing football. I think there's no denying that. To deny it yeah. is, I think, to deny the truth. So, I again, I hope she pans out. I hope she's successful. I'm absolutely rooting for her, but I, I'm struggling to see this one working out. You're so right. Brennan, it's spring break time. It is spring break it's time. It's time for you to go home. It's time for me. I'm going to Florida. Hopefully the weather is better than what is projected. I'm, I'm literally leaving the booth here. I'm getting in my car. I'm going home. It's going to be great. Oh, quick shout out. Just to let you guys know, next week going to be a little bit different situation. Like Nate said, he's going to be in Florida. So we're going to have a couple couple guest hosts on the show. I will be taking over. Brennan for, will be leading the charge. I'll be leading the charge. Thank God Nate's not going to be on the show yes, next week. that's what we like to hear. Sorry, Mrs. Na- Mrs. Magnuson and Josh, but we had to do it to him. No, but really, we're going to have some guest hosts on the show next week. And then additionally, I'd just like everyone to know, if you haven't already checked it out, the Trial Run Podcast is now on Twitter and on Instagram. Our bio on Instagram is the Trial Run Podcast. Give me our handle. I'm sorry, our handle is the Trial Run Trial Run Podcast, and then on Twitter we are the, the Trial Run. Run Pod. Yes. So give got, that a follow. Again, the Trial Run Podcast and the Trial Run Pod. Definitely check that out. We have some quality content. We're going to continue to post some things, and it'll just keep you up to date with our podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes. Get like our, subscribe. Get our numbers up. Comment below. Get our numbers up. We love to hear it. This has been the Trial Run Podcast. We'll see you after break.